hundreds of thousands hold their breath on Merseyside. It's Xabi Alonso for 3-3, three, three, it's saved, and Alonso follows it in! It's wonderful! It's marvellous! It's 3-3 three, three in the European Cup final! And this is the Red Agenda. Welcome along. Wow, we've got so much to get through, and what a high most Liverpool fans are on at the moment. I'm Steve Hover, so Red Agenda's out weekly. James Pierce joins me as always, one of our top writers at The Athletic. Uh, James, great to see you. Hi, Steve, you okay? Uh, and also, special guest this week, Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap. Hello, Neil. Hello there. Great to see you in the studio, and um, what a time to be talking about Liverpool. So, we're going to win the league. Shouted loud and proud by the cop. How, how defining a moment for you was that, James, at the end of the Manchester United game? Yeah, it felt huge. Um, it was funny, actually, because walking up to the ground yesterday, I, I tweeted, I wonder whether this was the day when the cop's chant would, would change from Liverpool top of the league to, to we're going to win the league, just because I think it, you just felt, you know, everyone's been whispering it quietly, haven't they, for, for months, not just weeks, and... And then I think the City dropping more points the, the day before. And then I think just just that release of emotion when Salah tucked that ball away in stoppage time. You know, it, was, it was just one of those moments you'll never forget. Just that outpouring of absolute joy. And um, yeah, I think you know, instead of whispering it quietly, the cop decided to shout it from the rooftops. And I think you know, everyone now believes that it, that it is going to happen. Defining moment. And it, and it wasn't as though it took a while for that chant to get going. It was almost like everyone joined in in unison, Neil. <laughs> yeah. You on the cop? I know, but I was, it, was, right. it was all over the ground. I was lower centenary, and mm. it was going off lower centenary, absolutely mad. Everyone's shouting it at the top of the voice, like we find, we're finally all getting to say it, are we? Let's <laughs> yeah. go, let's really go. But also, it, our sense of timing in theatre is magnificent. You know, absolutely prime game, 4.30, it's been on Sky, 20 past six. You know, you could. It was like we bought the advertising spot <laughs> in order to be able to make this announcement public. That mm. actually, just just to confirm to the nation, this is a thing that's happening. We're doing this. Uh, you're all going to have to get used to it and accept it. And I think that you know, and also obviously in front of the poor Man United supporters ha, who uh, aren't allowed out the ground, uh, which most away supporters would just hit the exits. But because of the the nature of the fixture, they kept in for half an hour. Uh, you know, never would you have wanted to not be in a place more if you were a Man United supporter. I think than that <laughs> at that moment, and the ground absolutely just resonated and then they were interviewing Henderson and Salah on the on the pitch so everyone wants to hang on for that uh, everyone wants to you know pay homage to Salah and especially to Henderson who gets great response at the end of the match anyway now but every single game and the whole thing just felt it just it felt like it, it felt almost cataclysmic it felt like this is this is a real thing this is this is what it is to be alive you see i think when you get to the end of the season there will be certain moments that you do remember and without a shadow of a doubt just that minute yep. will be in there. That'll be in the talking points, won't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 a late clincher against a United side who hung in the game, didn't deserve to, but hung in the game. But it's more the the sort of, as, as James says, you know, Leicester drop points if you want to go that far. City drop points. And I've had, me, I've had my eye on Wolves. So I've had, you know, coming out, out after Christmas, I was saying if they beat Tottenham, they beat United and they beat Wolves, that'll be the moment where you'll think it's absolutely massive. And I'm really excited about Molyneux still. And I think it'll be a really tough game. But I've had my eye on Wolves. But because City dropped points against Palace, it just gets to the point that you can't not acknowledge the reality of 16 <laughs> points clear with a game in hand. Yeah. You're like, you know, we're all idiots. If we if we don't sing it, then what, what are we actually afraid of? You know, it got to the point where not singing it was actually a lack of a vote of confidence in these magnificent footballers. Yeah. 
yeah. And, and yet the maths would have uh, almost indicated it was almost certain anyway. I, yeah. d- I just find it's bizarre to look at it and go, why, why is it that moment, those points that made everyone at the same time go, yeah, we believe. Or we've always believed, but we'll tell everyone we believe. I think it just, it's just been bubbling underneath the surface, hasn't it, for so long. And I think the only thing that's probably stopped to stop that chant before now is the fact it's been so so long and it's almost like that thing of you know don't tempt fate you know there's still we're in january there's still such a long way to go but you do reach a point as neil says you you can't ignore the reality of the situation you know i think i think what the liverpool need now 30 points i think it is to be absolutely guaranteed they won't need that many because there's absolutely no chance that city aren't going to drop a point between now and the end of the season how many but defeats would they have to suffer well, they, they, they could lose six and still win the league because they? they've got 16 games 10, mm. 10 wins will give them that 30 points <clears throat> and you know what what is this this team's what lost what one of the last 60 odd it's something you know when you think they took what 97 points out of 114 last season they're on 91 <laughs> from the last 93 yeah. so it was like like if you don't just acknowledge it you just yeah. look ridiculous don't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and also i think it's not it's not cockiness or arrogance it's more just a reaffirming of belief in this team and and Klopp and what what he's built at this club because who in their right mind can possibly doubt you know people even on social media last night people said oh, i've jinxed it now jinxed it and you're like, come off it. There's no jinx in this team. This is like, just, you know, why, why should Liverpool fans have to wait until it's mathematically secured? It, we should have a four-month-long party now. You know, that's that's essentially the, the situation Liverpool are in. Mm. You know, enjoy it. You know, well, like, there's no point fretting or worrying about anything because there's nothing to worry about. We'd just just sit back and be entertained by the, the best Liverpool team we've ever seen. And yet Jurgen Klopp's, Klopp's still saying the right things, isn't he? He's saying, you know, you, you have your dreams, enjoy your dreams and everything. <laughs> we'll just literally do what we do until we know it's absolutely sealed off. Yeah, but this this is a team that's brilliant at starting again at nil-nil. And it's brilliant at starting again full stop. I think that the thing about this side, you know, people, there's been a lot of from other supporters and bits and pieces from some journalists of trying to discuss VAR in the context of this Liverpool team. How VAR helps Liverpool is because Liverpool are the best team in the country at starting again and putting things behind them. So we lose two goals yesterday to VAR in the first half and we come out second half and we miss a ton of terrific chances. But it isn't as though we've let our heads go down. And then when we miss the chances, the heads don't go down. We create another chance and we stay in and we hang in. And I think that this side is so mentally strong. So the manager is saying the right things, but that's what they'll all be saying to each other in the dressing room. They'll all be saying to one another, it's not done. We keep working and we kick off at nil-nil against Wolves. Liverpool are brilliant at kicking off. They're brilliant at starting again the brilliance at the next phase of any game and the brilliance at the next game and I think that that's testament you know there's so many sides you think about for instance uh, well the, the, there's the actual matter thing that leads to the goal but there's the there's a, there's a couple of incidents yesterday which don't get flagged that will probably get flagged or will be disallowed if the ball ends up in the back of the net and Liverpool don't let that get to them they keep the line where they keep the line and I think all the way through this season Liverpool have just shown such mental fortitude every single opportunity that you know I mean, they could lose at Wolves. Wolves are a good side, I keep saying it. But if they did, they'd just be absolutely fine again and they just start again. And I think that that's what they've done so brilliantly and it's what the manager and the leaders in that dressing room, the captain and the other big players deserve such credit for. So many leaders. <laughs> you look around the park. Yeah. You, you said to me before we started, let's talk about Genie Wijnaldum a little bit later on. He's just one of, of many you could pick out from the game yesterday, yeah. isn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, think, I just think he's probably one of those that does sometimes slip under the radar just in terms of what he... What he gives the team, um, yeah. I, th- I thought I thought him and Henderson were the two best players on mm. the pitch yesterday by by some distance. Yeah. Um, absolutely, you know, dominated that that midfield area. And um, 
yeah, when when Alden just seems to be he's a he's a big game player as well, isn't he? Like the number of, when when the big games come along, he just he never lets you down. And he's he's he kind of epitomizes for me as well what Klopp's created in terms of players buying into <clears throat> that team ethic. He's a very selfless footballer. Um, you know the the shift that he always puts in. You know the way that you know when the fullbacks do bomb on the you know the, he inevitably is the one that 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 covers at times. Yesterday, you know it was great to see him getting forward more. It was a you know it was a shame he was denied that goal because you know that would have been that would have been up there with the best goals Liverpool have have created all season. You know the weight of the pass from Oxley Chamberlain. You know right call to disallow it, but it was you know what was it probably a foot offside or something. But um, yeah, I thought I thought when Alden was 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 sensational, and I don't think I can't, I can't think of a footballer who uses his body better than when Alden just he's that ability to get himself between an, an opponent and the and the ball and 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 shield it. And you know he, there was you know there was there was one time as well yesterday when I think he, he made a mug of Maguire, didn't he? When just I don't know that it was a, it was quite a nutmeg, but just knocked it past him and then you know created the chance for for Mane who should really have scored and. I mean, Neil talks about this team's ability to start again, and I thought the 10, 15 minutes after half time was as good as Liverpool have played all season. <laughs> that was, it, it was just a shame that they didn't didn't score two or three because I, I remember I, che- I checked the stats actually in the first nine minutes of the second half, Liverpool had seven attempts on goal. You know, it was like the Alamo. You know, how United managed to get through that period unscathed, I don't know, but um, yeah, the the tempo and intensity of that was incredible. It, it comes from the two centre midfielders. Well, when they there's a lot of chat about whether or not they're, you know, in, in terms of a nationwide sense about the creativity of them. Firstly, the the creative in a way which allows you to set a tempo and turn a screw. They keep the they keep the play alive in certain areas of the pitch all the time, really quickly. So no one gets a minute to rest. You know, the speed with which both Henderson and Wijnaldum can move the ball on to change the angle of the attack. One one touch, two touch stuff. You think you've cleared it? Oh, Henderson's picked it up. You know, a great example is the goal at Tottenham, where Henderson bustles it into the into the penalty area and that it's not it's not pretty it's not silky although Genie showed a lot of silk yesterday and Henderson was really unfortunate not to score and carried the ball a couple of times really well but they just set this tempo that everybody else then plays to and that the opposition go oh god we can't live with this we're just hanging on in until they can't sustain this anymore because United didn't do anything to to break Liverpool's momentum in that run they basically just had to it was like it was like being on the rapids they just had to go from just go to hang on down the river try and stay in the raft and if we get to the end of this and we're still in the raft, that's a result. And I think that's all they were trying to do, United. It really is. There's nothing else you can do until Liverpool just can't quite keep that tempo yeah. up anymore. And if in that period, as James says, you know, if Liverpool had scored one, I think they would have got three. And then all of a sudden we get to the hour mark mm. and it's 4-0 Liverpool. And you're talking about this performance in the in the context of the Leicester away. And for me, there's not a lot of difference between Leicester away, Tottenham away and Man United <coughs> at home. The only difference is that when they were on top at Leicester, they managed to score the goals that, yeah. that gave the performance that sheen. Uh, whereas this one, you know, against United, as I say, if that had gone 4-0 on, uh, uh, on the hour mark, well, no one would have said this is an unjust position to be in. But United just managed to hang on for dear life. I, d- I think that idea of turning the screw sort of been on a rack, isn't it? Yeah. It, it is really appropriate. And, and Liverpool know when to turn it again. And again, and they do it at the appropriate moments for the appropriate teams. It's it's unbelievable the fact that the the every every now and again I'll catch myself thinking, well, they can't play any faster, and then they play faster. <laughs> yeah, they do, yeah, yeah. And you're thinking, well, where where would you go from here, lads? And they go, actually, no, we're going to watch this. You think that was quick? Watch this. And as I say, I think that you, listen, you can't sustain that. And this this Liverpool side is is become so adept at keeping the opposition at arm's length when it needs to that it can now rest without the ball uh, through phases of the game. And you saw that again yesterday as well. 
you know, United have the big chance with Martial uh, on about 62, 63, and actually they don't create another opportunity uh, for, for the rest of the game. Now, I was living on my nerves. I was a basket case, everyone around me. I think the, the crowd actually quietens a little bit because it's Man United, it's 1-0. You know, it felt like it felt like such an opportunity what was happened with City and I think everyone got nervy. And I think Liverpool got a tiny little bit nervy, but United don't create anything. They cannot get a decent opportunity in the penalty area at Liverpool's goal. And when you when you watch the game back without living every kick, you're thinking, well, what were we all worried about? What were, what were they going to do? So I think it's almost like the Martial thing happens and Liverpool go, all right, that was your chance. You're not getting another one. We're shutting this down. And there isn't one the nearest to get from that point onwards. Is, it, is, is something from wan from a mad angle. And then uh, when matters would, would just have been offside anyway, and, and we turn, and we, that's when we turn them around and go and score. How, how are you meant to deal with this Liverpool side? But what then happens is post-match, everyone's able to do the well. They didn't take it away from us. Solskjaer's able to say all sorts of nonsense <laughs> about, you know, they're not the, they weren't that good at getting behind <clears> us and all this sort of, this this just, uh, you know, Hodgson-esque bleating from him. And, yeah, but it means that everyone can perpetuate this idea of, well, how good actually are they? The answer is that they're, they're absolutely brilliant and could be the best team ever to play Premier League football. Shevchenko scored the winner two years ago. He's up against Dudek. Will he hand Liverpool the European Cup? Yes! Yes! European champions! Jersey Dudek with the penalty save. I think, James, for me, the biggest thing about the game was these two teams normally cancel themselves out because of the nature of the meeting between Liverpool and Manchester United. And it was so evident the gulf between these two that no longer can the fixture even cancel out this meeting of two supposed giants. Yeah, and I think that was one of the most pleasing things for me, the fact that you, you actually did get to see that chasm that exists between the two teams because the frustration in a lot of meetings between Liverpool and United in recent years is that Liverpool haven't haven't been able to do that. I think especially the last couple of times they've gone to Old Trafford, they've kind of you know, almost played the, the you know, the name, the the club rather than the actual players in those shirts mm. when when United have been there for the taking and Liverpool haven't been proactive enough and really taken the game to United but um yeah, I think you, you just knew that yesterday was gonna be different in terms of you just knew that, that Liverpool would would really go at them. And um, the, the thing, the great thing about this Liverpool team is they can hurt teams in so many different ways. And you, you know, you look at on a day when Liverpool's finishing let them down at times and squandered some, you know, some unbelievable chances. Again, it was a set piece that was that was so crucial. And um, and you look at the numbers, and you know, Liverpool are a top across the board. When you know they've more set piece goals than than any other team. They were top of it last season. I think it was twenty nine, including penalties, eight more than anyone else. This time around, it's fourteen already. More what, than what's Trent on for assists? Um, I think it's since the start of last season, he's got twenty one assists in the Premier League, more than any other Premier League player. Uh, he's also he's he's also that's five dead ball assists so far this season more than any other player in any of Europe's top five major leagues wow um so yeah I I, I did a piece today actually on the just the the set piece thing because you go back to summer of 2018 um in the aftermath of Kiev when Klopp did his kind of summer review then he pinpointed that as as an area where he felt you know that there was big room for improvement he felt that Liverpool wasted too many set pieces and then at the other end looked too vulnerable at times. And so he tasked Pep Linders and Peter Krawitz with, I want a complete overhaul of our set pieces. We need to 
this is like such an important area of modern football that we need to really, really focus on it. And, um, you know, I think he, you know, it was it was also based on the fact he knew he had Trent establishing himself in the team then and he knew, you know, what, what deliveries he could produce. And then also, you know, when you've got Van Dijk, um, you know, I was looking at the stats, Van Dijk scored more goals than, than any other Premier League defender since since he joined Liverpool. Eight, eight, that, that is now. Big game um, goal scorer as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's, you know, and it's... You know, again, it's just you know, you, it's 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 another example of just the attention to detail. Mm. You know, for you know, for all this talk about you know, have Liverpool been lucky or you know, even the, there's a big big focus on Klopp's charisma and man management. It's actually you know the, the attention to detail, leaving no stone unturned, that's put Liverpool in this mm. position because you know you, traditionally you associate set pieces as something that limited teams would really focus on because they they haven't got the attacking quality to to really do damage from open play but you know we know Liverpool can do that but it's like you know I think for Klopp's attitude was well why not you know why when when you're an attacking team that gets so many corners so mm. many free kicks in dangerous areas we should be doing everything we possibly can to to make the most of it and I think you know things like that yesterday I mean Van Dijk said afterwards um we targeted that you know, Peter Krawitz in the video analysis had, had pinpointed that as an area of weakness we could exploit, and you know that's um, you know where the team behind the team you know really come to the fore. I looked at some uh, records of United defending corners this season and before the match, and they lost a lot of headers just outside the six-yard box. They were losing a lot of first balls just outside the six-yard box. And then if you see that in the context of even Liverpool's failed set-piece deliveries later in the game, you know it's easy to see that one of the reasons they're failing is they're not quite hitting where they want to be hitting, which is about eight yards out. And United, honestly, you know they won a lot of headers near post, a lot of headers in that six-yard box, but had a bit of a problem. They were also third worst, and they, they might not be even higher for goals conceded from corners per game. So Liverpool have looked into that and. And the attention to detail is, is is something huge, as James says. And I think another thing is they don't have to learn. So United uh, play, uh, they, they end up, because of no Rashford, they play the 5-3-2 that they effectively played in the first game, mm. uh, where Pereira gets about whoever plays at number six. The two centre-forwards split. Uh, James plays wide. Martial plays a little more centrally. Uh, and then it's uh, it's the back five, uh, and they use Luke Shaw in there. And that's what they did in the first game. And in, the, in that game, there were two major chances in the game, the one that Rashford scores from, and Lallana's equaliser. And they were the only real two significant chances. How many chances were there on Sunday? How many times? did Liverpool create something brilliant in that game and it's it's the same shape it's the shape that worked for Manchester United Old Trafford and yes it's different but what I would say is it's like Liverpool this thing happened to Liverpool and they went away and went right if someone tries to do that to us again this is how we beat this we're going to do this and I think you got to see it you got to see them you know just outthink on the pitch Manchester United player after Manchester United player. I think Fred and Luke Shaw play quite well, uh, to be honest with you. I think they both had good games. But there's periods where they're just not in it at all. They can't get near anyone. Maguire just looks a dope repeatedly. He gets, <laughs> he gets pulled out of position and just looks look, look, look just doesn't look like he's he's ever quite where he needs to be. Whereas that game, at, uh, the number of crosses we put in, the game at Old Trafford, it just played into Maguire. Yeah. He got to look like a centre-half. He's heading it clear. All of a sudden, he's, he's getting either heart, semi-nutmegged by Genie Wijnaldum, sliding into the opposition mm. half because he can't cope with where he is and Liverpool just learn and I think that that's what's so impressive about them they learn and they're engaged and you know the stuff that's going on at half times that we hear about the conversations that are ongoing this is a Liverpool side who in every facet of the game whether it's with the feet whether it's with the fitness or whether it's with what's going on in their own heads everything they look to do is about constant improvement and I think that that's what's just you know that's why there's such a credit to themselves on top of all the brilliance there's such a credit to themselves as a unit and as a group of people. Yeah, they're not, they're not getting carried away at this moment. What about the, the first goal that was disallowed? So the challenge from mm. Virgil van Dijk 
on De Gea and, and referees seem to come down in favour of keepers the majority of the time. But if you watch it again and again, Van Dijk clearly has his eyes on the ball, doesn't he? But yeah. is there also an, a, a knowledge from Van Dijk of, of what he's about to do? There's a little bit of a coming down on the keeper. He also knows De Gea isn't the most confident in, the, in, in that, that situation. I, I think there's definitely an element to that. But for me, I, what's really strange for me is that it's given at all in the first place. I can't believe he doesn't blow for a foul uh, in the first place. Not because I think it's a nails-on foul. I actually think, given the what we're given as the the public on the terms of reference of the VAR thing, I think it should be given because I don't. I think if you if the referee on the pitch decides yeah. it's not a foul, it's not a clear and obvious error because you can see it crystal yeah. clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm so, I'm absolutely stunned the referee doesn't blow for it because you can't do anything to goalkeepers. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. Once Craig Paulson's given it, I don't understand how on earth VAR then disallow it because it's not a clear and obvious error, is it? Because it, he, he's five yards away and he's decided that is not a foul. So so and and, and then also I didn't understand that if so if then he's being told. Actually, despite it being right in front of your eyes, I'm telling you, you've missed an obvious mistake. Then surely then he should have gone to the monitor and had a look himself. We were told in the build-up to the weekend that they were going to start using the monitors as well. So really, um, yeah, yeah, that was that was mentioned that they were going to start start doing that. So I don't I don't understand why. I mean, I, I, it's it's one of those ones. I don't I don't think it is a foul on De Gea. I just I just think when you look at it, Van Dyke he doesn't jump into him. He just challenges for it, and actually, you know, the, he, he win he wins the ball. De Gea. It's just too soft, and, and and Van Dyke's just too strong and powerful for him. But you know, as Neil said, you just we just usually you're used to just every everything like that usually does go in the goalkeeper's favour. But it's mm. like once Craig Paulson has decided that's no foul, that, that goal has to stand. And I felt a bit for Roberto Firmino because he's uh, he's waited a long time to score at Anfield, hasn't he? I yeah. think is it wow. back in yeah. that last season, wasn't it? Or I think his nine goals this season have all been away. Away from home, but um, and he certainly a, thought he'd, he'd scored a, yeah. a genuine goal there as well. Yeah, so that was it was it was a shame, and that was. You know, but again, as Neil said earlier on, it was some teams would have let that affect them, but you know this Liverpool team, they don't do they? They just dust themselves off and go again. What annoys me is there's actually a fair bit of football after the error as well. There's a chance for United to get back in. Actually, United mm. players should just clear it and, and empty it and then go from there. Uh, and instead, we end up with this sort of m- almost like maturing thing in front of our very eyes. And as I say, I, I do agree with James. It is it is really, really strange once we've got through the first phase of the, of the referee not giving it, that it ends up getting overturned. Let's talk about the greatest abs in the game. <laughs> Come on, we all looked at that. And when it's January, we need to get ourselves in shape. How good does Mo Salah look? That's a that's a twelve pack, not a six pack. It's... Uh, and I'm glad he showed it to everyone. <laughs> I made up he did as well. I was absolutely, you know, hugely entertained that he, he, you know, was clearly so happy to have got that clinching goal there, and you know, happily takes the yellow card because he's not a stupid man. He knows what it's, what's about to come next, and he thinks I don't care. I'll have this. What a ridiculous rule that is, I by know. the way. It's mm. just. It is, but he, he takes it and we go from there. I think he, de- game... he deserved that goal. He was relentless. His his work ethic and his energy that he exuded in the and game this, was phenomenal. And you get to see you get to see the physique of him, but his strength is unbelievable. I think I know yeah. it does feel at times now like he's refereed per his own set of rules. Like that we've all got together and we've written a rule book solely for Mo Salah, which even Mo Salah's read because he doesn't even appeal for some <laughs> stuff now. They get yeah. to get you've got people hanging yeah. off his neck, and he's going, "No, it's fine. I've read the rule book. It's, yeah. it's they're, they're allowed to do this to me, not to any." Anyone else, but I'm allowed that. But he just all game puts up with. He gets kicked from pillar to post. He gets he gets pulled pulled and pushed everywhere. But the number of times 
that this combination of the strength and the touch is unreal. And even for the goal, you know, that's the, 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 I mean, you know, run 50 yards as fast as you possibly can with a football at your feet and with a lad effectively on your back, because that's almost what he does all the way through that. And, and do it, by the way, in the 92nd minute, the, the, the level of fitness. And that's why Klopp leaves him on until the very end and why he's often off the three. You know, the more we get into this season, the more we'll see, I think, 90 minutes is out of Salah and, and Firmino and Mane being managed. I suspect, I think that's what we're going to see because Klopp knows that he's got this in him he got that that last minute sprint in him he was the same uh, there was a game recently where he was still doing those shuttles in the, at the end end of the, of the match and it's it's unbelievable I think and he's as I say it's the touch and the strength and it's frustrating when he misses really good opportunities of course it is but no one's more frustrated than he is he knows that he should be tucking that one away in the middle of the six yard box he knows that he's not stupid uh, but he he still stays and again he backs himself and he backs that I am going to impact this football match and when I do I'm going to take my top off <laughs> he um, he came into our lounge after the game, and I, I was doing a bit on the stage, and and he brought up the fact he'd never scored against United before. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether it was because you know a lot of you guys have been writing about it, talking about it, for, you know, in the past week, but it was clearly something on his mind. He's yeah. clearly someone who's not satisfied at at anything less than the very best, and you know he wants to conquer records, be remembered as someone who scored in the big games, the big fixtures. I, th- I just thought it was really interesting that it it mattered so much on a personal and a team level too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think there's some stat. I think he's that's twenty five. I think there's twenty five different Premier League opponents he's played against. He scored against twenty three of them. So it was you, know, it, you can imagine it probably did annoy him that he hadn't scored in his four previous games against United. And he must have thought you know especially that that chance he missed when I think it, it was it was a bit unfortunate when earlier on in the game when that low Robertson cross came to him. I think he wasn't expecting it to to reach him, and he ends up making that much of a mess of it, ends up coming off both of his boots before he he, he knocks it wide. Um, so he probably did think, you know, am I, am I destined to never score against Manchester United here? And um, But he is that sort he of just, player who misses easy opportunities yeah. in games, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or and easier, it, I mean. And it definitely, it definitely does, it, you know, sometimes it does, you know, he does beat himself up about it. I think he does, you know, we always talk about players saying, oh, no, it's all about the team, it's not about, but... It, you ask any prolific goal scorer, and they'll they'll tell you that it's it's very much about yeah. <laughs> about the individual as well. I think, I think he plays score. better once yeah. he's got one. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And he and he, be, he does beat himself up at times when when things aren't happening for him in the in the final third. So that that goal, would, yeah, that would have meant absolutely everything to him because I think you can see it sometimes with him, even when Liverpool are in controlling games. If he, I think he feels as if he if he's not scoring, he's not doing what he should be doing for the team, and can be quite hard on himself. So. Um, yeah, it was sensational, as Neil said, that late in the game to to show that amount of strength and and composure, um, and yeah, that's 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 right up there with 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 the greatest moments he's had in his in his Liverpool career. I think the, the celebrations after that, you know, made even better by Allison deciding <laughs> he's going to uh, run the, the the whole length of Anfield to to knee slide in front of him, um, and I think you've obviously got to give him a a lot of credit as well because we talked about set pieces earlier on you know that came from a, a United corner where again you know Van Dyke wins the initial header and then you know how alert is is Allison and then the quality of the distribution is just um incredible to to put on a plate for him so I think you know, I think I saw some stat he was first Liverpool goalie since Pepe Reina to lay on a Premier League assist kind of eight, 10 years yeah, yeah I think it was near nearly 10 years ago so um you know and what an important part of of this uh, this Liverpool team, Allison is. I mean, was that seven successive Premier League clean sheets. You know, go back earlier on in the season, we were talking about, you know, would the lack of clean sheets end up mm-hmm. costing Liverpool? And now, they're on their best defensive run since two thousand and six.
Well, John Achterberg was saying it last week, wasn't he, on the, on the Red Agenda. I'm just waiting for the Anfield Rap to do a video where you actually put um, maybe some words to what he's saying to some of the players as Alisson runs the length of the pitch. So he's doing this brilliant run. It's really majestic, isn't it? And you're thinking, look, he's like a racehorse. Then he, then he pats Fabinho. It's all right, Fab, don't worry. Just follow me. Come on, let's go to it's, the cop. It, um, the thing about it is that Henderson collapses when the goal goes in. Henderson hits the deck. And, it, you know, Alisson, let's, let's be quite clear about this, is a very fit young man. And it was like some of those teammates that one of the reasons why he gets to Salah first is everybody else is shattered. Yeah, Everyone else is just like, you know, so he's got Salah's on his own for ages. Actually, when you look at it, he's yeah. on his own for ages. You'd think he'd be mobbed and he turns around and the only one who's got any energy to run towards him is the keeper. Yeah. Uh, because everyone else, and I think he's almost saying to them, come on, lad, let's, get, let's, let's go and show our appreciation. He does acknowledge here. a few, yeah. doesn't he, as he runs past them? But, but it is that sort of, as I say, Henderson hits the deck. Van Dijk has to pick him up. As soon as it goes in, Henderson just, just absolutely hits mm. the deck in the centre circle because they, they were at that point, I mean, you know, they put so much into the game. I think there's a point on about 80 when I was looking at it thinking these are now, it was, I think United come on relatively strong 70 to 80. Yeah. But by about 80, I was looking at it like these are two shattered teams. They really were. There was a few misplaced passes, a couple of people, both sides just kicking out to touch on a couple of occasions. Like yeah. I think that they were players who were, were led and legged. And then I think that's another reason to, to go back to praising Henderson and Wijnaldum is that they find another, just they, they, they summon up one more big push here, lads. We're nearly there, we're nearly over the line. But yeah, the goalkeeper. Is the goalkeeper at that point is possibly the man most able to run 100 yards apart from Mo Salah? Uh, he's probably the only one who's got a 100 yard dash in him. <laughs> he could have run, run back at that speed as well. <laughs> it, that's what you were saying, so fit. But then you, you you might think, well, the keeper's not not running or the, not a, yeah. exuding that much energy within a game. I don't I don't know. I'd love to see the stats on that. Yeah, he, he keeps himself active, the keeper. Yeah. But no, I think I think in general they just showed right the way through there. You know, they showed the the faith in one another and the togetherness, but also what it means because they, they, they'll they be as aware as anyone else that they haven't beaten Manchester United as often as they mm. should. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, they will know that as a collective. Salah will know he hasn't scored against United. They will know that they haven't beaten United often enough and they will know what it means and what it means to the supporters as well, obviously, because again, they're very engaged with with, with, with what the club is and what the club's about. So for, for me, I think that'll be, you know, absolutely they, they will be bouncing today in train and they'll be feeling absolutely fantastic going into wolves and they'll be feeling ready for for everything that comes at them next knowing that there's you know there is no more worlds to conquer really they've beaten everyone in the league apart from west ham who they're going to get two goes at very soon and they can really they can really back themselves yeah, and that, that's never been done in liverpool's history apparently in the top flight they've never beaten every single team in the division during one season so as you know so yeah two chances to to create another bit of history if they can uh, beat West Ham either home or away so another record have yeah. you lost track of all these records oh it's, it's ridiculous isn't it yeah the uh Jed I mean, Ray, about rewriting yeah Jed Liverpool's Ray Liverpool's record, historian he's I think he's the most popular man in the press room at the moment because it's like <laughs> every every week he's uh he's armed with another A4 sheet of <laughs> this week's 15 new records that this Liverpool team have broken and yeah it's, it is uh, it is incredible isn't it He's supposed it back into the box. Header on goal. Oh, he's got it. And the captain has delivered a blow to AC Milan. They may be three goals down, Liverpool, but Steven Gerrard has urged the thousands of Reds fans inside here to get to their feet. A headed goal from the captain. It's the Red Agenda. Uh, on The Athletic, uh, we have James Pearce here, senior writer at The Athletic, and, of course, uh, Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rat, one of The Athletic's partners. Uh, are we witnessing... Um, the greatest ever Liverpool team. It's so difficult to compare between areas and to compare the competition that you had. All of that said, I think that the answer may may well just simply be yes. 
Um, I think certainly uh, we were we were talking uh, in a pub last night and saying that I, I don't know about anyone else, but I've got a plan to be telling young people that they haven't seen anything until they saw Sadio Mane when I'm 73. Uh, <laughs> at this point, that we can really begin to diarise that. You know, uh, you, you, you think your lads are good? Let me tell you about my lads. They could really play. Uh, I think we can. Uh, I've got I've got my whole old fogey spiel. Because uh, you were told stories up. about Kenny and yeah, in, you're, in you're, Russia. Told, you're told about 70, 78, 79. You're told about the first team that wins the European Cup. 83-84 the Sooners captain side who, mm. who you know who went to Rome and won it um, and who, who, you know Ian Rush got 40 49 goals I think in the, in the all comps that season uh, for Liverpool you know, and the Aldridge Beardsley Barnside yeah, and they, these they, are the greats aren't these, they? these are the greats but this is you know this this side which we've all decided we, we, we announced yesterday is going to win the league so we, we've got that out the way now um, <laughs> can, just can you announce it more than once I think this is just, just come <laughs> and give us the trophy uh, to be honest we didn't cut out the middleman and uh, I think that this side, when it when it gets its hands on that trophy, it will be able to genuinely say, look at what we've achieved. Because it isn't just this season. And I think this is really important. Liverpool have eroded, I think, what was the greatest team to play Premier League football until this Liverpool side have come along. Without doubt for me, the Manchester City side that gets 100 points. Liverpool have eroded them. Yes, City hung on and won the league last season. But they are and have been absolutely nowhere this. And it's not as simple as company going. You know, Raheem Sterling, I would argue, hasn't played well for two months because... The what Liverpool have demanded Manchester City do is such a level. Bernardo Silva banging one in against Man United aside has not performed this season and Sterling and Silva were the two best City players at the back end of last season. They dragged them over the line game after game and Liverpool have just gone, OK, but you've got to keep going. This is the pace now. You created the pace, we've matched the pace and now you've got to match your own pace. And it's like City have gone, well, we can't, we haven't got it. And and I think that that's fine, by the way. There's every chance that this Liverpool side will have a bit of a dip in 12 to 18 months because to keep going, to stay, keep yeah. this intensity so hard. But that's what they've done. And then and in amongst all of that, they've gone and won a Champions League. Uh, and then they've won the other things that they've won, they picked up the other trophies that they've picked up. I think they're incredible. They're genuinely incredible. They're one of the greatest ever sides in English football history. And yeah, they really could be the greatest ever Liverpool. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it? I was seeing some talk on social media at the weekend about people saying is this just a, a bang average Premier League this season and are, and are Liverpool actually that good or is it that everyone else is is that bad and I think people have got very short memories haven't they because if you look at City you know people say oh you know like, like City are just you know a pale shadow of, 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 the, of the team they were last season or whatever this City are still going to end up getting high 80s if not early 90s in terms of points tallies like that, nine times out of ten, that wins you the league. You know, it's it's only the last couple of years where you know City were the ones who shifted the goalposts to you know to such a ridiculously high level that you know that Liverpool have you know, have somehow managed to to get get up to their level and then surpass. So I, th- I think you, you can't lose sight of of just what this Liverpool team are doing. You know, it's not it's it is it is completely un- unprecedented. They've redefined it, haven't they? Yeah, the yeah, Premier yeah. League oh, in, in many ways. Yeah, absolutely absolutely ridiculous. You know, you think back to you know, I think well Liverpool last season were the first team who had ever got 90 plus points and not won it. Yeah. And you know, so, so City aren't going to be far off that this time around. Yet they could end up And yet they're being labeled 15, a failure, 20, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, by yeah, many. Yeah. yeah. And so no, it's 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 difficult really to sometimes because because you just kind of you're almost so used to it now that you almost come to expect it but we shouldn't we shouldn't take it for granted because you know despite all of these great Liverpool teams over the years none of them have ever come close to to reaching these heights on a 
on a consistent basis. I, I did an interview on Saturday evening with Glenn Hussain, who was part of Liverpool's last title-winning team in 89-90. And over the course of our conversation, I said to him, well, you know, that, that, that team you were part of against, you know, if it, hypothetically, they play against this team today. You know, how, how do you think it goes? And he said, oh, we get absolutely hammered. He said, because he said, you know, football has moved on that much. He said, you know, this this team, the the pace which they play at, the fitness levels, the quality in every single department. He was like, you, you just can't even compare it. I think that what shouldn't happen, and I really hope doesn't happen, is that I've, I've been frustrated with everyone's absolutely desperate to diminish their own side uh, in order to, to not, Rightly praise Liverpool. <laughs> it seems like this is now this is now what English football focuses on is talking whoever I support down because I don't want to say that this Liverpool side is one of the great sides, and I think that that's that's going to be a real shame if that happens. You know, I think that there that, are a, that is happening already. Yeah, that's it is. A it's conversation. What I'm hoping is that if Liverpool certainly if Liverpool keep this momentum up and they keep winning games the way in which they are, that by February March everyone is just is then having to just sort of say, listen, you've got to hand it to them this to this good. And I'm I'm hoping that we're gonna sort of get through this little squall of that of this <laughs> of this trend. And then as we get closer and closer to the day Liverpool lift the thing up, then everyone will have to say, you know, this is this is a tremendous football. Does that team. matter to you? No, I mean to, have you I celebrated think, other no, great teams? No, 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 no. It's more it's more the idea of I think it's for everyone else to have a nice time. I think you know. I think that pe- pe- people have become so fixated. I'm with you, Neil. So people have become so fixated on yeah, yeah. on on stopping Liverpool. Like I, I've I've long maintained that the best thing that could happen for Everton is Liverpool win this league, because it means that the idea that we only exist to stop Liverpool winning the league or something like that goes. You know, this idea that Liverpool Liverpool are in some way going to be more unbearable than any other set team set of supporters if as and when they win the title is ridiculous. You know what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate big wins. We're going to go out. Then when it's done mathematically, we're going to celebrate that. Then when we get to lift it, we're going to celebrate that and then we're going to sing about it next year and we're going to have a trophy parade that's it like every team does forever <laughs> yeah. we're just all going to have a lovely time but I think that people are getting because the way in which people sort of consume and commentate collectively on football now people are there are other supporters of other teams who are not enjoying their season as much as they should because of this really odd fixation on Liverpool yeah. and they were going out of the way to tell themselves lies about their own football team uh, and not pay them the respect that they deserve you know you think about the, the warm with which Chris Wilder talked about Liverpool after the Sheffield United game and those Sheffield United supporters can be can come out of that thinking well Chris is sending a little bit of a message to our lads there but simultaneously you know we can be proud of the fact that we just got to watch them on that pitch and also that we, we, we got close to them at home earlier this season and we can enjoy being Sheffield United and we can get into that and it's interesting that I think it's the newer teams who are finding that easier than the sort of the established old guards who are just determined to find any little way to talk Liverpool down and as I say I just genuinely when they think it's me, it means people are a bit miserable. And James, I'd rather James, they weren't. Are you, are you sending a, <laughs> sensing an anti Liverpool vibe? Not just from Manchester City and any yeah, of the other yeah, bigger yeah, teams, think, Chelsea, I think, Arsenal. I think it just goes back to it's almost like because there's a lot of big teams with with issues currently. It's almost like I think Liverpool's thirty year title weight for them. You know, if it's like I think it hurts. It, it just hurts them seeing Liverpool flourish where they're still in the doldrums, and it's almost mm. like. That liver, that long Liverpool title weight that just seemed to go on and on forever, was almost like, you know, that that sense of, you know, my life's miserable, so I'd like everyone else's life to be miserable <laughs> as well. To be honest, the um, I think I think it hurts them seeing what what Klopp's done as well, and also I think it's, it is you know they are you know clutching at straws as well because you know Klopp is very very difficult to dislike, isn't he? You know, you speak mm. to. He's, you know, with it, it just you know, with the the passion and the charisma he brings to the squad. I actually think this Liverpool team is very difficult to dislike in terms of 
individuals. You know, I, don't, I can't I can't think of an individual in this Liverpool team that, that you know, there's, there's some some try obviously, but they're an incredibly you know hard working, likable, humble, that, humble. Yeah, that's what makes it harder to understand bunch. why others would. Yeah. But would I, dislike but I think them. it does just come back to the fact that it, it was like you know if you're if you're Arsenal you know the, what you know, what have they had really to shout yeah. about in the last 10 15 years you know Tottenham United in the last what five six seven years um so you know and obviously Everton um it, you know I think it's just that was almost like something to cling to wasn't it well, I think it was easier probably easier to accept city dominating so. because it's like oh that's because of Sheikh Mansur he's plumped in 1.5 billion no you know that, that's just life we can't compete because they've spent all the money when and I think it actually embarrasses a lot of other clubs as well the fact that you know people will say well hang on a minute you you, you bought you bought Van Dyke, you bought Allison, but you know that was that was money generated by the sale of Coutinho you look at the actual net spend and it's about 90 million or something under Klopp which is is peanuts when you think about the money that's been generated by the Champions League runs so I think it's almost uncomfortable as well for fans and probably executives of some other clubs looking at it and going oh god you know actually you don't need to be you don't need Sheikh Mansur to win the Premier League to win the Champions League to be world champions you, you just actually need a club to be incredibly well run and and, and obviously that there's been so much focus on the structure at Liverpool and on off the pitch. And obviously when, when a club gets it so right, like Liverpool have done over the last four or five years, it does kind of shine a light in terms of the money that's been squandered and the mistakes that other big clubs have made. Uh, right, Liverpool's position right now is quite um, brilliantly summed up by a short video that Jamie Carragher made, which he put on his social media, where he's at the, uh, the Wall of Champions, isn't he? And he's going through and he's going, oh, 18 league titles, that'll soon be 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes, oh, FA Cup, we're still in that. Yeah, that, that could be another one. Oh, League Cup, yeah, we're not really interested in that. We'll go, oh, another Super Cup might come. And then Gary Neville walks past and uh, he's heading for the wrong dressing room, isn't he? And there's a great bit of banter. But just Jamie going through those numbers, I thought, quite succinctly, put us in the mindset of where Liverpool are in terms of what's important to them now. Yeah, I think it's it's there's an opportunity for Liverpool and it, it almost certainly won't happen because it's as rare as it has been for a reason, but there's an opportunity for Liverpool to do the, the treble of the league, the Champions League and, and, and the FA Cup. Some almost of, certainly won't happen. Almost certainly won't happen. Uh, James? A, it, I mean, it's a huge... I, mean, I, don't, I don't know, know who beats them. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Almost like the law of averages, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. at some point you lose yeah. a game. But, right. But, go on. But there's, they're as well-placed to do it as any team uh, in the last uh, in the last 20 years since United actually did it. They're as well-placed as anyone to do it because they've got the idea that they could weaken as we get closer and closer to the end of the season in the league because there's, there's the wiggle room that they have. Uh, and even them weakening would not necessarily mean that, for instance, at home to Bournemouth, they'd go into the game as second favourites. That isn't the case. Um, they are in a situation where I think no one will want them at any stage of the Champions League, home or away. I think that if you asked almost every team in Europe when do you want Liverpool, they would say the final. But someone's got to get us if we get the other side of Atletico, which won't be easy. Uh, it will not be easy at all. But, you know, it's a draw that you'd back Liverpool, broadly speaking, to get something out of. Shrewsbury away. We did a thing where the the, the lads from Shrewsbury, or the Shrewsbury um, podcast, got in touch and uh, when, when they went through and said, what will your team probably be? And uh, John sent them an email with what he thinks the team will be. And they were like, oh, all right, yeah. So that's meant to be weakened, is it? You know, you go through every. He makes ten changes, and you, you you're having to have an argument over whether or not you pick Harvey Elliott or Shakiri. If he makes ten changes, 
presuming everyone's pretty close to full fitness. Yeah. So, you know, I think that they can expect... I'd be disappointed if they don't progress against Shrewsbury. Yeah. Then suddenly there's a fifth round, and there's a lot of Premier, all Premier League ties, so there's a chance they could get a home tie in the fifth round against a Porter side. Suddenly you're in the last the last eight, and also the last eight played. Again, at a point where Liverpool might actually mathematically be champions if everything keeps going as it does. So then that shifts your focus if you wanted to. Uh, it might be that they choose that they don't want that. But all of this, and the thing about them is that the manager is so focused on rhythm. He loves rhythm. He talks about it all the time. So they are, he'll still need there to be games where it feels like something's on the line. And so you can see a situation where Liverpool are able, are able to push right the way through and just keep going. So I think they have got a, they've got the best chance anyone's had since that United side. Will they do it? As I say, I'll say again, almost certainly not because the law of averages is you lose a game at some point. The ball bounces against you at some point. A referee decision doesn't go for you and you can't turn it back around. But I really do struggle with the question of, well, who's going to beat them? Yeah. <laughs> so your, your answer was no, but by the end, possibly yes. <laughs> and James's is... Pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah, you just think, surely it can't happen. But then the more you think about it, you think... Well, who, who actually is going to stop them? And it is going to... Both in England and abroad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because Klopp hasn't lost a two-legged European tie, has he? In, you know, in his entire time at, at Liverpool. And, and, I, and I think probably earlier on in the season, I, I felt the Champions League probably wasn't realistic because I just felt that Liverpool, clearly the, for Klopp and this group of players, the Premier League was the priority and that, and that the Champions League would... We probably it was you know, so difficult to like there aren't many teams are there in the last 15 20 years across mm. Europe who have managed to win their domestic league and the Champions League and not many people it's, I think only Real Madrid have retained the Champions League yeah so it's you know it's it's very very hard hard to do but what what increases the chances of that as Neil said is the fact that Liverpool are so far ahead in the Premier League that he will be able to prioritize you know the the latter stages of the Champions League and you know the FA Cup suddenly I think on the back of what happened against Everton the FA Cup's gone from being a complete irrelevance and almost expecting to get knocked out straight away. So now you think, well, actually, you know, why can't Liverpool win the FA mm. Cup? Um, because you know, with the way that the injury situation is clearing up, I mean, he, he will make a lot of changes at Shrewsbury, but it will be it'll be a really strong team. You know, there's you know, you've got you've got Matip who you know desperately needs a game. Lovren should be back as well. So you know, that's not the worst you know reserve team in inverted commas centre back combination. Um, you know, and then then when you you know you factor in yeah, you know the likes of Shakiri and Origi that need, really need really need a game. Minamino will play. Yep. Um, so you know we know how good Adrian is. You know, the, 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 if he you know I think he'd have full trust in the youngsters who did so well against Everton. You know the likes of Larucci and mm. and Nico Williams and and Curtis Jones you'd imagine would be involved. So there's absolutely no reason why Liverpool can't get through that. So so yeah, I think it's. <laughs> It's it's crazy to think that Liverpool could end up doing a lot this season, and you and you know you do think that something will just go against them at some point because you know you feel like you, you have probably, to think that way. Yeah, it's, you probably think it has to. But, yeah. yeah, but I tell you what, it's going to have to be some effort by someone to, to stop this I, Liverpool team. I wouldn't fancy Paris Saint-Germain over two legs. I think that if there's a team in Europe who at the minute might have the, the blend to, to, to rattle Liverpool over two legs, whenever the second leg was, whether it was home or away for Liverpool, I think Paris Saint-Germain could turn it on. There's an issue they have, which is that they don't play enough intense oh. games yeah. in general, whereas Liverpool play a lot of intense games, and it's whether or not they can they can hit the straps. Uh, so they're, uh, you know, if you're asking me for, Europe, for a European concern, there's a chance Liverpool might get bogged down in some Real Madrid nonsense if Real Madrid knocks City out. 
City are more than capable of beating Liverpool over two legs. Uh, it's worth you know being clear and honest and upfront about that because they're still a really good side who, if they if they play well, they can take a game away from you in fifteen minutes. Not dissimilar to Liverpool in that regard. Yeah. So I think you know it's not this. There's no, it isn't a cakewalk, but it, you really do think that. As I say, the the key thing to to take from from it all is. Paris Saint-Germain won't want Liverpool over two legs. Real Madrid won't want Liverpool over two legs. And Manchester City won't want Liverpool over two legs. So you, when you go through that, in exactly the same way we can say that, they they would all, you know, in the heart of hearts, say, can we not have can we not have Porto? I, the Porto haven't even got through this time, but you, you take me general points. Yeah. And I think that that's worth remembering. As I say, the FA Cup, listen, it'll be another fixture because it goes midweek for the fifth round. So if they do get through against Shrewsbury, it will throw open the idea of a little bit of congestion. And I think he would still want to make changes for the fifth round, whoever Liverpool got, not least because, as James says, he's got a set of players he needs to be fair to and I think that that's important as well you know this squad works because they work, the manager has a covenant with them they all almost have a 12 month contract if you know what I mean that they play at a certain level that these opportunities will come and they'll get these games so I don't think you know I think that that probably doesn't change until they got to the semi-finals maybe of the, of the FA Cup where it might then become a little bit different but I think he would want to be fair to the footballers all the way through because they're all training with them they're all being ridiculously intense in training the way Liverpool talk about training at the moment so he'll want to have have those players feel as involved as humanly possible. And that was the red agenda. I think that was the uh, we're going to win the league episode, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Are you going to yes. sing it with even more gusto for the next game, or how does that work? I'm, genuinely, we've got Molyneux, no. w- w- Wolves at Molyneux, and I'm looking forward to singing it there, but it's going to be an absolute dog of a game. They're physical <laughs> Wolves, they're, they're a great side. I, I, think we'll, I think Wolves could be the fourth right. best team in the country. Okay. Uh, James Pierce, thank you very much. We should mention, actually, because obviously Mo had his moment there. Uh, Simon Hughes, he'll be back next week. He's got a brand new edition in the world, so congrats to him and his family. Um, Simon's written a brilliant piece about Mo, which is on The Athletic at the moment. Yeah, yeah, well worth a read, yeah. I, uh, I had a read of that over breakfast this morning. He, he, um, he went, went and spent the best part of a week back in uh, Cairo and Nagrig, where, uh, where Mo's from, and kind of retraced his steps in terms of... Uh, Sometimes it took four different bus rides and a five-hour journey to get from Negrig to Cairo when he was uh, starting out in his career. And you know, he's spoken to a lot of the people who played a big part. You know, coaches and and friends and family members who played a part in Mo Salah's rise. And uh, yeah, fascinating insight into into the making of uh, of the superstar who is Mo Salah. Fantastic. Uh, check that out on The Athletic and no- loads more brilliant articles on there at the moment. Thank you to James and, of course, Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Wrap. Thank you, Neil. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast and you want more, don't forget you can get all of the podcasts ad-free if you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. If you subscribe now, get a 40% discount with the code LiverpoolPod. So a 40% discount with the code LiverpoolPod and the red agenda will return in a week.